Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. When you have it, just say, I got it. Bible says this. It says, now it came to pass on a certain day. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water. And were in jeopardy. They were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him. And saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, listen closely, where is your faith. Somebody say that with me. Where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered, saying to one another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Amen. This morning, I, I want to preach to you a very simple message this morning, but I want to ask you a question today. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Let's pray together right now. God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for your presence and your power that we feel in the building right now. From the very first song today, you have been here with us present. Your power and your glory and your anointing is here. I ask you now, God, that you would use this moment in this word. I know that it's been culminating for this, that, God, we would never tear up a field and not put seed in the ground. So I pray that seed would go forth now. And I pray that you would help us, God, to grow and mature. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for whatever happens next. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Shout it again in Jesus' name. As you're being seated, look at your neighbor and say, where is your faith? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The story of Jesus calming the seas is... Uh, a very familiar story to us, not unfamiliar. Um, and if you've never been in a church service before, if you've never heard the word of God preached or you've, 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 you've never encountered anything like this before, welcome. We love you, your family. We're so glad you're here. But let me just break down the story for you so you, we'll, we'll catch you up with the rest of us. And uh, I like to take my time on moments like this because sometimes you just assume that everybody in the building knows what you're talking about. Uh, but maybe you don't. So let me just uh, break it down for you, tell you what I'm talking about. There was a time when Jesus uh, was doing miracles when he was walking this planet from the age of about 30 to the age of 33. Three years, Jesus ministered to his people, and he went round about just doing miracles and preaching and teaching and declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand. 
and he set at liberty those that were captive. If you want to go back and really find out everything he did in the biblical connotation for it, you can go back to the book of Isaiah and you can see where Isaiah talks about him coming and what he would do, that the lame would leap, that the blinded eyes would be open, that the deaf would hear, and that the dead would live again. And, and Isaiah was uh, very, very uh, precise in letting us know that when he came, that those that, were at, at, those that were captive would be set at liberty, and those that would, were wounded would be healed, and those that were broken would be put back together, and that, behold, your king cometh, as Zechariah told us in Zechariah 9 and 9. He says, behold, your king cometh, and he's lowly riding on a donkey, and he hath salvation in his hand and we knew that he was coming they knew that he was coming and and so for the three years that he was there he he did miracles signs and wonders and it this was a moment after one of his great miracles they they were going from place to place he was like a traveling evangelist if, if, you, if you will he was just moving from town to town location to location just healing people delivering people setting people at liberty just being generally awesome and he went from town to town doing that and declaring the kingdom of God is at hand. And they saw him. The people loved him. The, the leaders hated him. But on their way to one location, uh, from one location to a next, if you know anything about Jerusalem, if you know anything about Israel, um, that there is a lot of seas there. You have the Sea of Galilee. You have the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, and so you have a lot of places there. Really, really they're just great lakes. But, but these great lakes that Jesus in the time that he lived, they would have to go across those great lakes to get to the other side, and they would, uh, you know, go from town to town. And so it was a ship, and, and these waters were tumultuous. It was, a, it was a place where storms were known to come, and storms were known to pick up. And even today, these great seas, these great lakes are renowned for being calm and placid, and then boom, all of a sudden, it's just a storm come out of nowhere, winds and rains. Still today, they're known for that. And so Jesus says, we are going, he said, let us go unto the other side of the lake. Now, when Jesus made a declaration that we're going, that really should have been enough. Because if Jesus says we're going to the other side of the lake, it really doesn't matter what happens between here and there. We get into the other side of the lake. Amen? Jesus showed uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, God revealed to Joseph in the Old Testament that he was going to be used mightily and greatly. That's all he told him. He said, Joseph, your mother and father will bow down to you. Your brothers will surround you. They will bow down to you. I will give you place. I will give you position. I will give you power. That's all he said. He didn't tell Joseph, hey, listen, it's really going to be bad until you get there. But Joseph knew. He said the other side, this is what he showed me, and I'm confident that he's going to get me there. But the disciples were just like us. Look at your neighbor and say, just like you. Mm, 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 mm. They were just like us, terrified. The Bible says they launched out, they launched forth, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. He was tired. The man had been ministering. The man had been raising folks from the dead, been teaching, preaching, healing, doing all manner of awesomeness. And he's tired. Being awesome is exhausting. I'm tired all the time. Some of y'all, you're tired all the time. And you know why? Because being awesome is exhausting and you're awesome. And that's why you're tired all the time. That's why you want to take a nap at 10 a.m. Because you're so awesome. 
It may also be your eating habits. It could be that bowl of cereal you ate at 8 a.m. Amen? Anybody want to talk back to the preacher today? Jesus is tired. He's a man. He's God, but he's wrapped in flesh. He's a man. So men sleep. He's tired. He's worked hard. He's preached. He's taught. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's fed 5,000. He's done all kinds of stuff, and he's tired. And so as they're making their way to the other side, Jesus takes the opportunity to take a nap. Now listen, can I preach this for just a moment? Can I preach this for just a moment? If Jesus took a nap, some of y'all need to stop working yourself to death. You're not cool because you don't take naps. Jesus took one. Rest every once in a while. Stop working so hard, take a break, and sleep. Some of y'all think y'all full of the devil. You're not. You're just tired. You're tired and you're hangry. That's when you're hungry and angry at the same time. And some of y'all need a Snickers. I'm not going to point at you, but I could. You know who I'm talking about. Don't look at them right now. Just keep looking at me. Don't look at them. Just keep looking at me. We don't want them to know. Jesus is tired, and so he took a nap. It's okay to take a nap. Amen, amen, amen. He's tired. He took a nap. Very, very, very natural. He's not gone. He's just asleep. He hasn't left. He's just taking a nap. He, he hasn't left the ship. There's another story where Jesus doesn't go with him. And he comes walking on the water. That's a whole nother story. This story, Jesus is with him, but he's tired. He's asleep. Jesus is with him. He just ain't saying nothing. Jesus is with him. He's just not present. See, some of us, we get in so much trouble because we forget that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Just because he's quiet doesn't mean he's gone. Can I preach here for just a moment? I got a word for somebody. It's Sunday morning, and I'm, it's just the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need somebody to know that Jesus has not left your boat. He has not left your life. He is choosing, rather, to just hold back and not say nothing right now because he needs you to get so desperate that you would call on him. See, if God didn't let the wind blow, you would never get desperate. If God didn't let the rain come, you would never get desperate. If God didn't let some junk happen in your life, you would never get desperate. But every once in a while, God will just take a nap on you and let all hell break loose. And so the only thing you can say is, Jesus! Every once in a while, God will cause a storm to rise up right in the middle of your, of, of your life. And he didn't send the storm to destroy you. He just sent the storm to get you awake and say, Lord, I need Jesus in my life right now. 
I come to prophesy to somebody and it really ain't hard to prophesy this but you need Jesus to wake up in your life right now you need Jesus somebody need to go shake him and say God I need you I've been trying to do it by myself I've been trying to make my own way I've been trying to open my own doors I've been trying to break my own chains but God I need you more now than I ever needed you before <laughs> they came to him and they said, Master, Master, we perish. The Bible already told us that they were in jeopardy. They were in jeopardy. And they weren't trying to buy a vow. Some of y'all get that later. They, they were in jeopardy, mean they were in trouble. Trouble. That's what the word jeopardy really means. Broke, broke down in, in the Greek, it means they was in a mess. It was in trouble. It was bad. It's a bad storm. This is, this is a bad one. You see, every once in a while as a pastor, people come to me and they say, Pastor, I got this, I got that, I got that. And, and I'll help them. I'll say, listen, listen to me real close. It's not really that bad. And I'm not trying to take away from your pain, and I'm not trying to take away from your experience. But what I need you to know is I know a lot of stuff happening around here. And you okay. It's a storm, and, and we need to pray, and we need God to move. And, and, and it, is, it is as important to you as the next guy's problem is to him. But what you need to know is you're just normal. You're not crazy. You ain't lost your mind. God ain't mad at you. Some of y'all need to get delivered from the idea that if trouble comes into your life, God's mad at you. He ain't your daddy. Can I preach for a minute right there? God ain't like you. When you get mad to people, you don't talk to them. When you get mad to people, you treat them bad. When you get mad to people, you give people the silent treatment. Just because God's giving you the silent treatment don't mean he's mad at you. That's what you do because you're flesh and you're foolish. God ain't doing that. He ain't. God doesn't play teenage games. Grow up, sir. Grow up, man. Come, come out of junior high. Come on up to the college level real quick and stop playing childish games. God don't play childish games like that. He ain't mad. You need to be delivered from the idea that God's mad at you. You ain't that important for God to stop all of heaven and be mad at you. He may be waiting on you. He may have his head on his pillow with his eye cracked. I wonder when they're going to wake me up. Until they do, I may enjoy my time off. They were in trouble. This was a bad storm. See, every once in a while somebody come to me, tell me something, and I go, mm. come on, let's go, let's go. We need to talk about this. Every once in a while somebody come and say, Pastor, we got this, we got that, we got that. And I go, yeah, that's bad. You know how the doctor tell you? When it's, re when it's real bad, the doctor starts throwing out words that he know you don't understand. He'll be like, what are you talking about? It's just technical term. When it ain't bad, he say, you're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. When it's real bad, he'd be saying, and you, when people come in the room with him, like, what are y'all doing here? Why does it take five people to tell me this? Well, it's, it's bad. Some people have storms 
that you are in jeopardy. There are marriages in this room, you're in jeopardy. There are financial situations in this room, you're in jeopardy. And most importantly, there are souls in this room that are hanging on the eternal balance of heaven or hell. And sir, you are in jeopardy. Ma'am, you are in jeopardy. There is a storm in your life and what you need to know is you are not on an empty boat. Listen, if you look around, listen, if you look around and you see that Jesus is not in your boat, look out because he must be on the water, but he has not left you. Can I say it again? If you look around and Jesus ain't on the boat, hold on, baby. He might come walking on the water, but he will not leave you in a storm. He will not leave you. He didn't bring us this far to let us drown. He didn't bring us this far to let me go. He said he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. The prophet said I was young, but now I'm older. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen his seed begging bread. God's always on his time. Not on my time, but he's always on his time. Ah, the raging water. Jesus arose from his sleep. You see, Jesus would get up. This is what I think the, uh, the apostle Paul was talking about when he talked to Timothy. And he said, Timothy, stir up the gift. He said, when I, when I think of the faith that was, that's in you, Timothy, I think about your mother and your grandmother. And I remember that the faith was in them. He said, now, Timothy, you need to stir up the gift that was put on you when I laid hands on you. And somebody needs to stir up the gift in your life. Listen, you've been playing patty cake church long enough. It's time to shake. The, so I got to shake something in my life. We all know some people that are asleep through anything. And that right, Sister Yumbo. She was telling me this morning, Gene was dead asleep. Didn't even, I was in the bathroom throwing up, screaming, hollering. He was, <laughs> didn't even. I know some folks like that. Now, my wife, Amanda, she can't sleep through anything, but she can fall asleep in any situation. I, I told her, I said, girl, I could take you to a Metallica concert and you'd be asleep halfway through the first song. How could it be possible? She sleep in. I got to have, conditions got to be perfect for me to go to sleep. Got to be dark, can't be no light. I don't even like the clock facing me. Turn the clock around. That little bit of light messed me all up. I'll put tape over it. <laughs> Say I won't. I got to have, it's got to be dark. I got to have a fan rolling. Whether it's a real fan or an app fan, it's got to be something. I can't have total silence. My brain is too active to not hear nothing. I got to hear something. Because if I don't hear nothing, everything I do here, my brain be telling me a whole story. Oh, that's a robber. He coming to kill you and your whole family right now. <laughs> Mess my whole sleep up. But if I got some noise in the background, gone. I'll be asleep on the plane now. When that plane get going, it gone. Wake myself up snoring on the plane. But a man that can fall asleep, don't matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, gone. Just dead asleep. She's probably watching right now laughing because you know it's true. Jesus was dead asleep in the middle of the storm. The raging water didn't wake him up. The waves crashing over the boat didn't wake him up. They tell this story in almost every gospel. 
in your Bible. And every story is a little bit different, tells a little bit more detail. And so we know that there was water inside, that they, had, they were throwing water out of the boat. We know they were throwing things overboard. They were scared. They were terrified. All this stuff is happening, and Jesus is still, one, one writer t tells us that he was asleep on a pillow. Where did this man, he sound like me, I'd be bringing my pillow everywhere I go. <laughs> I don't care, Holiday Inn Express, Country Inn and Suites, the Hampton, the Marriott, the Ritz, don't matter. I'm bringing my pillow with me. Because y'all pillows be like a big fluffy, you old, and you put your head on it and it just disappears into nothing. Jesus brought his own pillow. He had his my pillow. <laughs> Jesus is my pillow. He brought his pillow with him. He's asleep. He's comfortable. While everybody else is losing their mind, he's comfortable. He's asleep. Listen, the stuff that bothers you don't bother him. Here's what you need to know, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally almost finished because I'm about to preach my point and I'm going to be done. But, but what I need somebody in the house to know today, the stuff that has you so concerned, he doesn't even think about. The stuff that has you so up in arms, you're terrified, you're, you're scared. God is not scared of those things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth and the fullness thereof is his. He's never lost a battle, couldn't lose if he tried. He's not scared and he's not worried. What causes you to stay up at night, he sleeps through. He gets up. He speaks to the storm. One writer says it like this. He comes to the bow of the boat and he says, peace be still. And when you read that word peace, it's capitalized. Because it's a proper noun. It's a name. Jesus calls the storm by his first name, peace. Calm down. Why would he name a storm peace? Why does he send storms into our lives so that we can find him to find peace? One writer says it like this, that Jesus stepped out on the bow of the boat and said, Peace, be thou muzzled. That's the exact terminology in the original text. He says, be thou muzzled. He just shuts it up like a barking dog in the backyard. Your problem looks like a monster to you. But to God, it's a chihuahua. You're thinking Rottweiler problems. And God's looking at toy poodle problems. Well, I just bunch you out of here. Come. And Jesus, after he calms a storm, he asks a question. He turns to them and he says, where is your faith? Here's my whole message today. I don't think that he was asking them, like, did you lose it? Like, you know, check your pockets. Like, where's your faith? You know, like, like as if faith was lost. I believe that the Lord showed me this. That when he said, where is your faith? He meant what have you put your faith in? Where is it? Because 
you had so much faith in the storm that you forgot to have faith in me. Where is your, where have you placed your faith today? Because it takes faith to believe you're finished. You have no proof. You have no proof that you're done. You have no proof that you're not going to make it. You have no proof that you're not going to win. You have no proof that your marriage ain't going to make it. You have no proof that you're not going to be saved. You have no proof, but you believe it anyway. Where's your faith, sir? Where's your faith, ma'am? You see, our problem is, is we put our faith most of the time in ourselves. Yeah. That's why one of the highest forms, one of the highest forms of pride is low self-esteem. Can I, can I help you with that? Let me say it again. One of the highest forms of pride is low self-esteem. Because you think you should be able. We put faith in ourselves and so we beat ourselves up when we fail over and over and over again because we are our worst critic and you're your worst critic because you got too much faith in you. You keep breaking promises that you made yourself because you got faith in you. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Keep having faith. Where's your faith? I know where your faith is. Your faith is in you because you won't ask anybody for help. Your faith is in you because you won't ever get honest with God and tell him the real deal on yourself. Where's your faith? Your faith is in your own ability. Your faith is in your own skill. Your faith is in who you are. That's why you hate you. Because you got so much faith in you. And you can't love you because you keep believing in you. I quit believing in myself a long time ago. Because I know court. I know, what's court. I know exactly what court's going to do. If it's up to me, I know exactly what I'm going to do. If it's up to me, I know what I'm going to say. That's why now I don't let court talk. Shut your mouth. I'd be like, don't you do it. I know you, boy. You're going to say something's going to hurt somebody's feelings. You're going to say something's going to get you in trouble. Shut your mouth and wait just a little while. I used to have this, this, this mentality in my mind. Here's one of, the, one of the greatest changes I ever made in my life. I was a grown man when I did it. I used to never want to go to bed angry. You know, because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. I took that personal, and I said, you know, I'm never going to go to bed angry. Worst decision I ever made. So many sleepless nights. I should have just went to bed mad. You know why? Because when you wake up in the morning, you realize what you was mad about, that was so silly. Why was I even mad about that? What I, what I, what I learned to do is wait on the Lord. Because I kept believing in me. You know why? I knew why, you know why I figured out I kept believing in me? Because I kept letting myself take the lead. When I knew God should do it, I did it. When I knew others should do it, I did it. When I knew my leadership should do it, I did it. 
I believed in me. That's why I got Abraham in trouble. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Sarah's going to have a son. I'm going to give you a promise. And Abraham believed in himself so much. He was like, I don't really need Sarah. I'll get Hagar. I mean, really, it's just a kid, right? And had a wild man because he believed in himself. Where is your faith? Some of us believe in the trouble so much. We believe if you had faith in God like you had faith in that trouble. Some of you have faith in your career. You believe, you believe in your career so much that you'll miss church. You'll, you'll, you'll keep family at arm's length to make sure your career is good. All that faith you got in that career. Kids grow up don't even know who you are because you put so much energy in that career. Wife leave you, mad at you because you put so much faith in that career. Where's your faith? And, and look, you got two years ready to get your, uh, you know, get your pension and they fired you. No benefits. They found a loophole to get you out because you had faith in them and they didn't believe in you ever. Where's your faith? Your faith, some of y'all believe in your boss. You believe that your boss can make you and break you. You believe it. You so mad at him, you so mad at her, you talk so much trash about him. Because you, you know why you talk so much trash? Because you believe in them. Your faith is in them. You believe that they can pay your bills or make you late. Oh, hallelujah. I got two claps and an amen. But I'm preaching right now. I feel the Holy Ghost on me. You got so much faith. You know how much faith it takes to believe there's no God? You got faith, but where is it? Where is your faith? Their faith was so much in the storm when Jesus was in the boat the whole time. They believed in the storm. They believed that they were going to die. They said, we perish. We're dying. We're going to die. You know where your faith is. Is when something good happens, you automatically think of the worst thing that can happen. You know where your faith is. When things start going good, you start backing away from people. Like, uh-oh, somebody's about to hurt me. You know where your faith is. People got faith in money. They got faith in jobs and careers. They got faith in husbands and wives. They got faith in trouble. They got faith in trial. I know you got faith. You got faith. This isn't a faith issue. To every man is issued a measure of faith. It's just where is it? No one was born faithless. The Bible said to every man there is issued a measure of faith. When you go through life, God automatically gives you a measure of faith where you plant that seed because God calls faith a seed, right? God describes faith as a seed. Where you put it is where it grows. And if you put your faith in it, in the worst thing that can happen, that's going to grow. And if you put your faith in all of that, out there in the world, that's going to grow. And if you put your faith in things below and things beneath and not in things above, 
That's what's going to grow. God said it like this. What does it profit a man that he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Oh, yeah, you had a good job. You had a good career. You had some money in your pocket. It grew. You put your faith in all that, and it grew. It flourished. It was beautiful. But you're going to die and go to hell because you put your faith in the wrong thing. Where's your faith? If you believed in me like you believed in this storm, if you believed in God like you believe in the worst thing that's going to happen, if you believed in God like you believed in your friend down the street, you'd, you'd get baptized in Jesus' name. Listen, I don't, I don't want to offend nobody because some people in this room have made this statement to me before, but I just need to say it because sometimes I feel like, like, like you know, we need to hear hard things sometimes. And it's not really a hard thing. It's just I don't want to be offensive with it. Sometimes I'll be talking to people about what they should do and, 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 and faith steps of salvation. Here's steps of salvation. And they'll say, well, you know, my grandfather did this, 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 and this. And, you know, my grandfather was a great guy. And my grandmother did this, 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 and this. And my grandmother and, and, and my mom and my dad. And, and they'll give me all these people in their life who they watched. And because they were good, they believed that those people were right. But I don't put faith in people. You're putting your faith in a, in a human. Look at the word, see what the word says. I'm not matching it up with people. I'm not matching God's word up with people. I'm, the, the word stands alone. And, and we, we put faith in our past. We put faith in things that happened yesterday. Case in point, and music can come, I'm finishing. Just this week, me and my mom and dad were sitting in their living room having a conversation. My dad was, we were talking about, uh, my mother just had her whole kitchen redone. Brother Q, they, they hired Brother Q down there. Brother Q been living in North Carolina for a couple of weeks. Totally redoing my mother's kitchen. And listen, it is beautiful. It, it, and that's the house I was raised in. I, it's unrecognizable what it is. And we're standing in that kitchen and we're sitting in the living room and she's repainted and done a lot of things in the whole house and carpet upstairs, just a lot of stuff. And we're having a conversation and, and my dad was saying, yeah, we moved in here in 1994. And I was like, well, and no, I said, we moved in here when it was 1995 because I was 16 when we moved in here. My dad's like, no, it's 1994. I was like, no. <laughs> I'm trying to tell my dad when he moved into his house, you know, because I got faith in my brain. It took faith for me to try to tell a grown man when he moved into the house that he built with his own hands. I'm sitting there with so much faith that I'm right until my mom proved me wrong. And I was like, I remembered it wrong. And I put faith in my ability to recall Facts. Can I help somebody in the room? Sometimes you're remembering it wrong. They didn't say that. 
you felt like they did, but those words really never left their mouth. Matter of fact, you never even heard it. You heard somebody say that somebody said, and you're just remembering it wrong. But you got so much faith in you. You got so much faith in what you know. I know a few folks that love to argue. They argue with a signpost. They'll tell a stop sign. He's a triangle all day long. They have faith in their ability to recall. They have faith in their knowledge. They have faith in what they know. And sometimes, I, you know, even myself, sometimes I, I'm the same way. I'm sitting in my mom and dad's living room that we built. And I'm telling them, no, I was 16 when we moved this house. But I was like, no, you weren't. You were 15. I was 16. Yeah, you're right. Because I was remembering it wrong. And sometimes if we had that kind of tenacity in believing what God said, There's, there's folks that hadn't seen family members in 10 years because you remember it wrong. There's uncles and aunts and mothers and fathers that aren't, aren't invited into your house because you remember it wrong. But you got so much faith in what really happened. You got so much faith in what they said. You got so much faith in how you remember it. Sometimes we get so caught up we have so much faith in our past. Some of us in this room have checkered past. And we have so much faith in that past that we will not let ourselves walk into a hopeful future because we believe in our past so much. God's calling us into callings and he's calling us into ministries and he's calling us into giftings and he's calling us into salvation and he's calling us into hope and he's calling us into beauty and he's calling us into peace. But we have so much faith in our past that we won't walk forward. We believe that the past holds us back and nobody told you that. I got more Bible verses than you can shake a stick at that tells me my past doesn't control my future. But you still keep, you believe it. Your faith is in the wrong place. I know you have faith today. But where is it planted? Where did you put it? Did you put it in family and friends and got let down? Some folks had so much faith in the church. They had so much faith in the church. They had so much faith in their man of God that when they got hurt, they ain't even been back to church because they call it church hurt. Because you put your faith in a man. Listen, I've told you this from the moment we started in 2012. Don't you dare put your faith in me. I'm not your savior. I'm your man of God. I preach you the word. But I'm a man. I woke up this morning tired, just like you. God ain't giving me no special sauce to sprinkle on myself every morning. No pixie dust around here. Just a man. Don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in this church. Don't you dare do it. Because you know what? There's people sitting on your pews right now. They're foolish sometimes. They'll post stuff they don't even really mean. 
They'll say things out of context. They're flesh. They'll make decisions that will affect you and they don't even know it affected you. They'll, they'll be preoccupied and walk past you and not shake your hand. Ain't got nothing to do with you. But if you put faith in them, they'll hurt you. If you put faith in them, they'll let you down. You got faith, that's where you're putting it. If you put faith in me, I promise you at some point, I'm going to hurt your feelings. I guarantee it. I'm, sometimes I just say stuff, I do stuff, I don't mean. And I'm sorry, I apologize if I've ever hurt you. My bad. I guarantee you I didn't mean it. But don't put your faith in me. Where's your faith? You put your faith in God, he'll never leave you, never upset you, never let you down. He'll put you through some stuff, but he'll be right there with you the whole way. He'll walk you through the valley of the shadow of death, but he'll be with you. He'll put you in a storm, but look around. He may be on a pillow asleep, or he may be walking on the water, but he ain't going to leave you. You may be dead in the grave four days, but here he comes. Fashionably late. Hey, roll the stone away. Oh, Lazarus! My bad. I got held up in traffic. Come forth. You put faith in him, he show up every time. You put faith in me, I may miss it. You put faith in your neighbor, you may miss it. You put faith in your husband, think he's going to change you, going to make you happy? He ain't. You put faith in your wife, you think she's going to make everything all magical? She's just a human too. She's going to make mistakes. She's going to say stuff that hurts you. He's going to say stuff that hurts you. going to let you down. going to do you wrong. Where's your faith? Where is your faith? You put faith in religion, it's, it probably ain't even right anyway. Don't put your faith in it. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the written word. Where is your faith? Stand with me all over the room. Lord, I'll be the first one to admit it today. I don't know what anybody else in this room is going to do. That's up to them. But Lord, for me, for court, I apologize for putting my faith in all kinds of stuff but you. I realized today, Lord, through this word that I've put my faith in myself quite a bit. That's probably why I struggle with self-esteem sometimes because I keep believing in me and I keep letting me down. Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I put my faith in systems I thought would work and when the system didn't work, I took it out on you. <laughs> My bad. How foolish of me. But I'm sorry because there's several people that I put my faith in. And they didn't do exactly what I wanted them to do. And God, I got mad and angry. And I said things I shouldn't have said. I felt ways I shouldn't have felt. And that was wrong. Because my faith should have been in you the whole time. And God, I don't care what anybody else in this room does today, but for me, help me, help me put my faith in you. I can't do it by myself. I don't have the faith in myself to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry for believing in me so much. I got caught up in our culture that says believe in yourself. And I did. I put all kinds of faith in me. 
I should have been putting that faith in you the whole time. I wonder if anybody in this room for the next few moments would either find a place to pray right where you are or this altar is open for just a few moments as we sing today. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.